Hello? Hey. Hey. My name is Adam Fairholm, and you're listening to the Music Video Land podcast, put on by your good friends at filmedinsert.com. Your super good friends at filmedinsert.com. Like I mentioned, my name is Adam, and then with me, as per usual, is Mr. Doug Klinger from Boynton Beach, Florida. How are you, Doug? Uh, I'm doing relatively mediocre because you keep stealing my thing every time. Uh, is it super good? I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought that was mine. You keep you keep you keep bucking my super good. Well, you know what? In response to that, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna steal stuff from you this episode. So get ready for that happening. Um, like what? A, like what? Uh, you have things that you you think that are important to yourself and your self esteem, such as your introduction of the podcast guests at the beginning of the episode, which I'm gonna steal from you right now because uh, I'm very excited. Uh, when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago, again, without Adam, uh, <laughs> in addition to being uh, volunteering at the OMG Everywhere Camp, which we will also get into in the episode, um, I get to interview Jonathan Wells. And Jonathan Wells is the leader of Flux. And Flux is like a creative community uh, led by Jonathan and, and his wife, Meg. They, they curate screenings and they put together events where, you know, different creators and stuff all get together and, and, and showcase their work. They also have a museum exhibit currently in Cincinnati called Spectacle dedicated to, to music videos and the history of music videos. So it's something that we here at Film Insert and at the Music Video Land podcast think is uh, particularly awesome. And although we haven't been lucky enough to go to Spectacle and, and see the exhibit, um, I was able to find out a lot about it in this interview that Adam had nothing to do with. So um, look forward to that in a few minutes. That's right, because the reason that we have an interview with Jonathan in person, I think a third in-person interview perhaps, uh, I believe, if I'm counting correctly, is because you were in Los Angeles last week for the OMG Cameras Everywhere camp, week-long camp. I know you were at previously at uh, the sort of day camp, but tell us about why this is a week-long, and for those not familiar with OMG, what it is. Well, um, last year, in 2011, uh, Isaac Ravi Daniels, and a few other directors got together and decided, you know, they... they decided they want to have a camp for kids that where they kind of collaborated and made music videos with them over a week and they funded it through a Kickstarter campaign. And then through that, they all decided, this is pretty awesome. Let's, you know, make this a legitimate thing and, and be a nonprofit. So in the last year, they kind of have set that up and, and they were doing, they did a few, you know, day camps with a aftercare program. Um, and, uh, Summer came along again, and they did a second session of the summer camp, week-long thing. It was free for the kids, and uh, it was probably the coolest week ever of my life. So uh, I probably had more fun than the 26, 7- to 15-year-olds there at the camp. 
is what I say. Now, how were these seven... So, we've been to camps. We're not going to get into that. But we've been to camps around that age. We're not going to get into that again. No, right. (laughs) Again, right. Uh, We've had some uh, bad experiences, let's say. Scarring experiences, maybe better, uh, of of different camps geared toward the arts. Um, But this is... This is a completely different experience from what, like I said, I'm not cool enough to go to LA. They don't, actually don't let me in. I get turned away at LAX. They, the plane won't land there. <laughs> it's uh, diverted it's to Mexico, and then you get dropped off, and then everyone else gets flown back to LA. I'm fine. I'm cool enough for Mexico, though. But um, yeah, they you let know, you write it. Tell me a little bit about if I'm a child and a kid in this camp. A child? What am I saying? If I'm a kid in this camp, what what can I expect to happen? What do I do? Well, like you mentioned, we did go to a camp that was supposed to teach you how to make movies when we were in, like, seventh grade, which is around the age of many of the kids that were at the OMG camp. The difference uh, mainly is the counselors. Now, the counselors at the camp that we went to, for lack of a better word, were like, I mean, they were, they had, they have no significance in the industry whatsoever. Um, they're, they're like crowning achievements were like moldy pictures of them and like Wayne Newton, like outside of a concert or like because they were the opening act. Whereas the OMG Cameras Everywhere camp, all of the counselors are not only working music video directors, professional music video directors, but like some of the most awesome music video directors that there are right now. So when at the camp, the kids show up and um, there's basically several projects. E- each day there's a, a, like a, one main project or maybe a, like a, two projects that they kind of combine that teach kids how to make videos through collaboration. So it's not just like, like the director showing them what to do. It's them kind of doing it with the kids and kind of leading the kids by example and then letting the kids kind of finish it through to the end to the point where they would actually create music videos some some recreations of existing videos and some you know actual original music videos that they kind of collaborated with both the directors working directors and working pop artists with on these videos so now you know we should also mention that when you came to uh the camp you were given a special task, uh, and you had a project of your own. Tell us a little bit about that. I felt very lucky to be given this task, and that was uh, to capture the behind-the-scenes video of the uh, of OMG Everywhere, and that, that video is currently out for you guys to watch, and it, it gives you a little taste of what, what kind of went on at the camp. If you if you completely ignored the things that I just said in the, in the last like five or ten minutes, uh, you just watch this four-minute video with really catchy music, and, and get an idea too, and that's uh, you could find that on omgeverywhere.org, um, or also in the show notes of this very podcast. This very podcast, of course. Um, so yeah, that was my primary task. But in doing so, I also asked a bunch of questions to the campers about what they were doing, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm calling them campers, but the whole time, you know, any of the any they were the directors, so that's what I should be referring to them as. And so I interviewed the. I just don't didn't want to confuse because I mean I interviewed children. I didn't interview the working directors um anyway that's gonna be out in a blog i'm gonna show you guys those interviews and you'll see them and watch them and love them because it's cute kids telling really cool stuff about cameras in the camp that's right that will be available on our blog um you'll be able to watch it go yeah you'll uh yeah which you'll be able to watch it you can watch it <laughs> 
You can physically see it in the computer. And I think that's, you know, this uh, is the first time you participated. Is this the first time they've done something so long and so expansive for OMG? Because I don't remember them doing anything like this before. 11 was also a week long. Um, I think the difference is that there were less campers in 2011. So they could, they didn't break up the kids up in so many groups because there weren't as many kids. So that's why it seems – that's why it was so much bigger because more things were were made during the week. And at the end of this, you guys look like you had some sort of red carpet uh, rollout extravaganza. Fancy red, red carpet event at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, um, which uh, I believe – was where the very first Hollywood movie premiere happened. Well, there you go. I mean, that's uh, it's it's fun to have a and I, you know over the past year we've had a lot of people who have involved in OMG everywhere um, on the podcast. Um, Isaac Ravishankar, obviously one of the you know the primary organizer here for OMG. Uh, you know, Hiram Murai, um, Daniels as well are involved heavily and we're at the camp. Um, so it's, it, like you've mentioned, it's really fantastic music video directors, um, and a really great opportunity for the children as well. I mean, the kids, uh, to make something and they're sort of releasing these videos on a staggering basis. Um, you know, yesterday, today, the first one came out, which was a, a, uh, what, what do you call it? What type of video is it again? I forget the term. Called Sweeted, and uh, it's a term that comes from the Michelle Gondry film starring Jack Black and Most Def called Be Kind Rewind. And in that movie, they, uh, I'm not going to get into too much, but essentially they remake a lot of Hollywood classics. And uh, the kids had the opportunity to remake videos by the director with the directors who made the original. So they remade a video directed by Dugan O'Neill with Dugan O'Neill. Uh, they remade a uh, video directed by Ivy, Isaac Ravi Shankara um, while I, Isaac was was there, and so it was uh, it was uh, a, a really unique experience in, in that perspective. So it was really cool. But let's list more. You got to list more because more more of our uh, podcast homies uh, were there, like Ben Fee and Alistair Legrand and um, Dugan O'Neill as well. Dugan O'Neill, not just a, a veteran of two podcasts on this podcast, but also a, a, a made an appearance in the much uh, praised and venerated uh, Film Insert Goes to L.A. two-part series. Yeah, and also I talked I in the in the panel I moderated at the L.A. Music Video Fest, also featured one Dugan O'Neill. And the guy who del- I had a few packages delivered today. The guy who was UPS delivery man looked suspiciously like Dugan. It wasn't. There was no suspicion there. That was him. He wow. moonlights as a UPS delivery guy to, as well. So across the country in Raleigh, North Carolina. Definitely, he's a busy guy. What can you? What can I say? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is weird. Uh, I think we should uh, we should move on to our to our mean and by our I mean my interview with uh, Jonathan Wells. Well, can, since you did the interview, can I take you us into the interview? You can one thing for this episode. Fine. Thank care, you. Get a right. care. Wait. Go ahead. So for this podcast, we are very excited to welcome Mr. Jonathan Wells to the podcast for Doug's solo interview. Uh, like we mentioned, Doug was in L.A. last week at the OMG Cameras Everywhere camp uh, where uh, Mr. Jonathan Wells' son happened to be attending, lucky kid, and uh, Doug was able to sit down with Jonathan at the Hammer Museum 
out in LA. Uh, Jonathan is the leader of Flux, the Flux group uh, at Flux.net. You can check out what they're doing there. Um, this is a group that sort of curates and displays different forms of visual art, such as music videos, and puts on screenings and other museum pieces. In fact, they just this past uh, March and April, uh, curated and put on the Spectacle the Music Video Exhibit at the Cincinnati Contemporary Art Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, Doug was able to sit down with Jonathan and talk about that exhibit in Cincinnati, why it's in Cincinnati instead of out in Los Angeles, um, other work that Flux is doing, music video engines in general, and of course, uh, OMG cameras everywhere. So here it is. It's Doug, Doug's super cool copyright 2012 interview with Mr. Jonathan Wells. My name is Jonathan Wells. I'm a film and art curator uh, here in Los Angeles, and my wife and partner, uh, together we have a company called Flux. And what uh, exactly is Flux? Um, Flux, well, we, we describe it as a, as a kind of a creative community or creative hub. Um, we curate um, all types of film and art events, um, both here in Los Angeles and around the world. Um, very much inspired by my, my background. I, uh, founded a festival called ResFest and ran for 10 years and um, befriended a lot of filmmakers and artists and uh, and we toured the festival around the world so kind of leaping off from that um, Flux was an opportunity to collaborate with some of those same artists instead of just um, screening their films we've commissioned them to make new films or commissioned them to make art installations or whatnot so that's kind of how Flux came to be. And, and where do music videos fit into that whole spectrum? Um, I, from a very early age, when I was in high school, I was bit by the music video bug, and I'm just always passionate about music videos, and I'm kind of looking at music videos as um, a great, um, great kind of form of uh, experimentation in, in, in um, motion pictures. And so... When I, I actually started a cable access TV show when I was 16 um, and continued that through college. And in college, I started producing events, um, but I was still doing my show. And then um, when I moved to San Francisco, I, um, it's like right when digital video was kind of emerging, like the, the mid-90s. And we started making short films uh, late at night on the, on the, on the Mac. And put together uh, the early form of what became ResFest. And because of my background and interest in music video, from the very beginning of that festival, we had a short film program and we had a music video program. And so that continued for 10 years. And so uh, some of the people that we showcased in, in, in the festival were people like Mike Mills and Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry and Chris Cunningham and Roman Coppola and the list goes on but a lot of these are, are directors who at the time hadn't made a feature film they were doing commercials or music videos and music videos right around that time it's when M MTV kind of was disappearing and YouTube hadn't launched yet so it was like this sweet spot where you could see music videos short films on like a massive movie screen where we would take it to different um, art museums and special event 
theaters around the world and and the directors loved it because never before would you get you know when your video plays on tv you don't get to see how the audience reacts we could sit in a theater of like a thousand we would get like a thousand people would come to the music video show at, at the festival so that was kind of the continuation of my uh love affair with music videos and then when i when when meg and i started flux um kind of continued that and a lot of the the directors who we've chosen to collaborate with on projects have a background in music video and that kind of leads up you know into this opportunity that we we had to curate a museum exhibition so it's all like the thread goes back to to a, being a teenager you know in the san francisco bay area and wondering like i want to do a music video show how do i do it do i tape the videos off tv and like no you can't do that you need to write letters to the record company and i would spend hours in tower records like picking up album covers where I thought the cover looked really cool and I'd write down the address and I would and and that was the great thing about desktop publishing is I could then create this uh, identity you know like business cards and letterhead with with my Mac and create you know I mean I'm sure the record labels had no idea that I was like 16 yeah but um, I started getting mail and from all these record labels and and um, I I, the first interview I did with a band was um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is like a trial by fire, because uh, they they kind of immediately, you know, they immediately took over, <laughs> started like uh, performing fellatio on my microphone, and it was really crazy. <laughs> so, well, that's uh, I guess it's, it's uh, provides some entertainment value. But yeah, it's definitely not probably what you were expecting. No. We're we're uh, we're used to that. Yeah. You know, there, you, there can be some personalities when yeah. interviewing people. We definitely know yeah. what that's like. Um, you know, you mentioned the exhibit. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, currently um, in Cincinnati at the Contemporary Arts Center, which is an amazing uh, museum that was built by Zaha Hadid, um, we have an exhibition called Spectacle, the music video. And... This was an opportunity to, you know, I've always looked at music video and its best light is like a, an art form. Like, you know, I think there are certainly are music videos that are very crass and lowest common denominator and like it's, it's just an ad for a record. But there are a lot of videos where you cannot deny that it's, it's a work of art. And those are the types of videos um, that we have always sought to showcase at the festivals and screenings that I've curated. And the opportunity to bring that in an, in, into a museum um, gallery um, and alongside screening the videos actually uncover artifacts that have never been shown before, um, recreate what we, you know, the magic of music video. Like when you, the very first time you, for instance, you saw the AHA video and like kind of like, oh my God, like how, do, how does that hand come out of the comic book? And, and recreating that magic, um, as we've done with some immersive installations within the gallery. That was our goal, is, is, is uh, music videos in a museum are different than they are on the TV or in, in a movie theater. Um, and so we were exploring how to, how to kind of do that. Um, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a massive undertaking. It was the first time we'd ever done a museum exhibition, but we've, it's been very well received. And it looks like it'll tour um, internationally um, starting next year. And we're still solidifying 
which cities it's going to go to, but it's definitely um, going to go to multiple cities around the world. And what was behind the location? It's, you know, to this day, um, there's fans of Res Magazine and ResFest that are all around the world who, whether they be filmmakers or designers or artists, who um, it really inspired them. And it, and it really touches me that that it had that impact on people. And there's a lot of goodwill uh, that I run into. And, and basically a, a fan um, who is based in Cincinnati who, who um, recognized an opportunity to... At, at the museum there, um, that there was an interest in, in the museum in, in showing some more interactive and video-based work. They set up a meeting and we kind of pitched the idea to the museum. Um, that museum also uh, was famous for being involved in the Maple Thorpe controversy and then later um, debuted the exhibition Beautiful Losers, which I'm a big fan of. and. And like I mentioned, it's a, this building's incredible, like no right angles, uh, Deeds, first building in the U.S. Um, so it just a lot of, a lot of things came together that, you know, a lot of people were saying like, why, why Cincinnati? Or they would, you know, get the city all wrong. Like, like, where is it? It's in Cleveland or like every, every time it would be a different city with starting with the letter C. Right. I'm like, no, no, that's not it. Not there. But it's, it is. I mean, there are people who actually go to Cincinnati just to go to this museum because it's so incredible. Um, that's kind of how it all came came about, and it was it was actually a good experience because I think going to somewhere like New York, um, there's a lot more attention that's going to be focused on the show, and we were able to kind of work out a lot of kinks in Cincinnati and know like what things we wanted to do differently and and um, what things work best um, in a way that um, we wouldn't, it would be very hard to do that in a major market first. So. And, um, you know, a lot of people would assume that with a music video exhibit that there'd be a lot of screenings. You talk about, you know, immersive installations and stuff like that. How, how, do, how do some of those things work logistically? What are some of the specifics on those? The, I mean, I'd say the most difficult thing has been and continues to be how do you control sound, especially in um, galleries where the surfaces are very reflective. So it's a mixture of, um, of different types of screens, some with headphones, some with kind of directional audio. Um, a lot of, you know, while most music videos today, of course, are being done in HD, like, wide, you know, widescreen, type things that's very recent so most music videos are are kind of four by three formatted so we actually in the in the section of the exhibition um, called in the beginning looking at the early history music video those are all kind of these big bulky CRT screens which fits that kind of period um, for, for Chris Milk and Vincent Morissette who've both done groundbreaking interactive music videos for Arcade Fire uh, we did large-scale projections with uh, kind of embedded interactive things, so it's very different than how you'd experience it on a computer and really, again, bringing it to life, lar larger-than-life kind of large-scale, um, which, so it's a different way of experiencing something that you're used to experiencing on a small computer screen, let's say. Sure. Um, so those are some of the adaptations that we made for 
showing videos in the, in the gallery. So what was the decision-making process in you know, deciding what was going to be a part of the exhibit? We did a lot of research um, to find out what had been done as far as music video exhibitions in museums before. Uh, and there have been, there, was, there's, there had been one in Long Beach right around when MTV launched. There's been events in, in, or, or exhibitions in Europe. Um, they all pretty much were just uh, TVs on pedestals or screening base. And so that was part of what, about kind of showcasing videos in a different way and, and kind of getting these artifacts in, 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 in ephemera. But what also came out of that was that we decided we didn't want to organize the show chronologically. Um, and we, so instead we looked at um, sections or, or kind of thematic groupings of videos. Um, and those, some of those have been based around uh, cinematography, um, kind of uh, controversy around music videos, um, videos that don't have live action in them at all, where the, there's no band, it's like all like animation based, which is a section called, we called Art House. Um, of course, as I mentioned, um, interactive music videos, the early history, like, because again, we didn't want to show, a lot of people equate music videos in MTV. We wanted to say there's there's this amazing deep pre-MTV history to music videos, and then post there's this incredible uh, audience interaction and interactivity that's happening now. That's like almost like music videos are even more alive and vibrant, maybe than the MTV age. So, yeah. first step was to kind of create these look at videos and kind of create these sections, and there's of course there's no way to um, there's gazillions of videos, you know, so we had to make some hard choices, but we tried to find, you know, in include the most definitive videos that would represent different periods. So obviously in the early history, like you have to have the Beatles and you have to have um, David Bowie and um, Queen and, um, uh, well, I'm going you know, to forget to mention, but, but I mean, there, there, there is certain kind of pioneers of music video that sure. just need to be represented but but we're not going to show every Beatles video so right. like which which Beatles video was really groundbreaking or which David Bowie video you know so that was that was kind of how we we started and started whittle whittle down um, and what's great about the show and kind of these organizational groupings is as the show tours it's easy to to add something if there's a right. groundbreaking new interactive video that could go into the interactive section um, the the format also supports uh, director talks and uh, screening programs in theaters when a museum has a theater we could do a retrospective of a certain director and have them speak so uh, it I think it works really well in that way that that it's um, or when when the when the festival when sorry when the exhibition tours an international city we could represent some of those, uh, more of those artists from that uh, country within our groupings of the of the show. I don't know if that's a long. Yeah, no, answer, but, but it uh, no, it's great. Um, and then you mentioned before that there are, are music videos that aren't so artistic and are sometimes very crass and 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 uh, you know e you know either advertising a, a record or maybe just a butt. You know, not even anything. You know of any no art form necessarily are there a place for that type of video 
at the exhibit as well, or is that kind of left left on the sideline? Well, I mean, that's the whole the whole debate is like, okay, if you're gonna do a music video, essentially a music video art exhibition in a museum, uh, where do you draw the line? If like what should go in there, and uh, and some there's some videos that are in the show in you know like for example in the remix section, there's videos where where the public has kind of sweeted their video or re-sung it or re-danced it or whatever that makes it almost more artistic than the original video was um but it it is it is a fine line and like i don't i don't think i obviously everyone what's great about music videos is people have a personal attachment to them and of course if your favorite video whether it's you know art or not is not in the show you might be offended you know and so I don't, I don't, I think that this show is really a stepping off point. Hopefully it inspires people to discover whether new musicians or directors that, that it's, it's not, there's, it's very, I think it's impossible to make a show that would include everyone's favorite. And so that's the job of the curator. But we believe that, um, you, you may discover something, you know, and, and, and what's great about the show is, is it spans, you know, literally from like 1925 up to 2012. There's, there is something for everyone in the show, sure. you know, of all ages. And so that's really interesting as well. And in addition to Spectacle right now, you guys are continuing to do stuff with Flex, um, including tonight when I was, uh, you guys had a, a screening at the Hammer Museum here in Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about um, that you know, this particular event and some of the events that you guys have, you know, ongoing while the, while a spectacle is going on. Um, the, the Flux screening series is something we started in March of 2008 here at the Hammer, and we kicked it off with the West Coast premiere of Encyclopedia Pictura's Wanderlust video. Um, and the format is, is, uh, it's really like a, almost like a festival in one night. We have um, an hour long screen of shorts and music videos, we have presentations from different guest directors, and then we have a courtyard reception with music and, and drinks and whatnot. Um, it's really, I mean, LA is a city that's very spread out, and so we started this event as a way to kind of bring the creative community together. Um, we've found over these last five years, a lot of directors have uh, have met here. For instance, the last um, Rome video that Chris Milk um, directed, he saw Anthony Shepard's you know, Ninja Tune music video here and then contacted him. And there's there's been any number of kind of connections like that that have happened where people have met here or, or it's been inspired by something. And, and that's exactly why we started it. It's kind of to create that kind of creative community. Check the show notes. There will be pictures from from Spectacle. Uh, Jonathan provided us with some awesome pictures. But Adam, it would be great if you and I were able to go there on a on a buddy trip, a men's trip. It's still open, correct? Yeah, it's still going down. Good. You know, I have uh, my wife is from Cincinnati. Yeah, but she wouldn't be invited on our men's trip. No, this is just for men only. I'm just saying that we would, you know, if we if some if one of us scraped our knee, there would be somewhere to be. It's a go to fix it. Right, which is some 
it's part of the list of a checklist of a men's trip somewhere to go if you scrape your knee. So it's uh, I, I now I get why you mentioned that. So that's sweet. Um, another thing uh, on the checklist for a men's trip is pick of the week. It's so important, so important. So I would like to for you to start off, Doug. Since oh. this is your podcast, this is really about you. This is about your experiences, your hopes and dreams. So I really want to hear what uh, what your pick of the week is. Well, in order for me to have a pick of the week, I'm gonna pick a video. Uh, no, I've got one. I've got one in the canon, and you know why? It's it's, and that's because it is the uh, currently the video in our slider. Fans of our website, which is everyone who listens to this podcast, hopefully. Um, no, we have a slider on the homepage, and right now on the slider is a music video um, by a band called Animal Collective, and the song is called Today's Supernatural, and it's directed by Danny Perez, and this is a really good song. I listen to it a lot, and it's a really good video, too. I watch it a lot. Um, it features a large pinata driving a go-kart through the desert. Um, this pinata then tries to fend off fists and arms from it punching its head, and um, and uh, throughout there are uh, inserts of performance that are also very strange. And by strange, I mean awesome. And by awesome, I mean watch it. And by it, I mean this video, Animal Collective, today's Supernatural, directed by Danny Perve- Danny Perez, Doug Klinger's pick of the week for episode fifty-two. Video Land podcast. Take it away, Adam. Wow, um, I'm just not quite sure what you what you got out of that whole out of the whole video. It's a really visually interesting video. I like it. It's fun. I like I like pinatas and go karts in the desert. So, um, you know, what I've got from it existentially matters little to my to the to what to why I picked it. That's true. You got to question the idea. You have to get something from a music video. Isn't it just enough to enjoy it? Well, for the purposes of Pick of the Week, it is. For the purpose of academic discussion, possibly not. But we never claim to be that during this 10 minute portion of the show. Correct. Um, so, for my Pick of the Week, this is the video that is. For a very good reason, it is all over not just uh, the Twitterverse as the kids call it, but um, also also mainstream media outlets because of the person who is starring in this video, and that is of course the Nickelback "Trying Not to Love You" video, which features um, somebody who I really didn't expect to ever be in a music video, and that is Jason Alexander, who of course played George on Seinfeld, a sitcom that my family. Still watches every day to this day. Uh, I'm talking about multiple episodes a day to this day. It's not difficult. You basically turn on the TV at any time of the day and at some channel is airing Seinfeld and probably Family Guy too, but definitely Seinfeld. Yes, definitely Seinfeld. It is this, the, man, they've got to set some record for syndicated episodes. But anyway, the video we're talking about in question is, of course, the Nickelback video. Nickelback has had some problems with I would say people not enjoying them. There's been all sorts of little funny things about, um, you know, them going to play at a sporting event and people starting petitions for them not to play. I really don't have a problem with their music, but they're kind of like the, you know, the joke, uh, 
you know, everybody hates Nickelback, but they're, you know, very good selling artists, so obviously people out there enjoy them. But, you know, this one avenue I really didn't think of when, you know, thinking about how can Nickelback come back from being the jokey band, that, or the band that everybody jokes about hating, to being more le- legitimate band. And that is to make a few really kind of out-of-the-blue moves with their music videos and kind of make some news with those. Because they've made a few good music videos, but, uh, you know, I don't think any of them have really good viral sensations. And in this music video, it's actually a pretty entertaining video. Uh, Jason Alexander plays a barista at a coffee shop. What's the name of this song? Uh, Trying Not to Love You. Uh, (laughs) uh, A woman walks in who he really enjoys. He tries to impress her with his coffee-making or latte-making skills. And then another really fancy uh, latte maker comes in on a motorcycle who is Jason Alexander, dressed in a vest and a fedora, and, you know, tries to steal her away. And he, you know, that he, he makes little drawings in the coffee with the cream in the coffee, and it, it, it's him doing, you know, as a superhero. Just like little, you know, funny things like that. And then in the end, Jason Alexander gets the girl anyway and then drives off while everybody's cheering for this other guy who thinks he's a shit to make coffee. It's, a, it's you know, it's kind of like a... It's something that almost could work as, like... Or that definitely could work as, like, an old, like, Charlie Chaplin silent film. You don't really need the, the music. Um, and Brooke Burns is the woman who plays... Uh, officially credited as Jennifer, or Jennifer with a G. And Jason Alexander plays Bud. But anyway, it, you know... J- Jason Alexander is not the type of person you expect to show up in a music video, although he has directed another music video for uh, 2007 for Brad Paisley. I believe the song is called Online, uh, which you can see on his director page on Film Insert, something I never think uh, I would say, but it is available. Um, so I think that was a really interesting move. Um, he's, also in, he's also in that, in that video as well, if I, if I may interject. And he he's is a pizza, in that video. He's a, yes. And he's a pizza guy, so he likes he likes to be <laughs> minimum wage employees in his music videos. But I thought that was a smart move by Nickelback uh, because you know Jason Alexander does not show up a lot of places anymore. You know, he, in terms of like a post Seinfeld career, there's nothing that you can really kind of put your name on. So even if he does appear here and there, um, when he does kind of come up, he's kind of a novelty. It's not like you know. Um, Everybody else in that cast, except for Michael Kramer, for reasons we're all aware of, you know, has been in a million things since then. But Jason Alexander is still a little bit under the radar, um, and still a little bit kind of stuck in the era. It's weird that you did that. You said Michael Kramer, so you used his real first name and his show last name. Michael Richards. I apologize. Jeez, I got some Seinfeld aficionados here on the line with me. You. That's that's everyone because of how often it's played. Man, I I hate that show, and I've seen so many episodes. You hate that show? I just can't. I, I doesn't do anything for me. But anyway, you it's hate a, that. You hate that show. Oh I was God. doing a Seinfeld impression when I asked you that. How can you hate Seinfeld? How can it be? A, why do you want a shade if it's a lamp? All right, I'm sorry. Uh, so that video is "Trying to Love You" by Nickelback. Good move by Nickelback. Really funny video, and uh, that's my pick of the week. I think they. They succeed better than what I, the CeeLo Green Crybaby music video kind of tries to play on. Uh, that video, um, directed by Mickey Finnegan, stars uh, Jalel White, who is Steve Urkel, or was Steve Urkel. I think uh, 
uh, again, trying to play on the novelty of the fact that he was Steve Urkel. He never really did anything since that you could put his name on or your name on. Uh, not for lack of trying, just like Jason J. Alex is what I know him as. Uh, but others know him as Jason Alexander, just like Jason Alexander uh, haven't done anything cool. So you can use him as a novelty, which works out great in music videos, especially if you're Nickelback. And I don't want to say that Jason Alexander has not done anything. I mean, he's definitely done a lot of he's things. He's done stuff, but it's not, he's always going to be George. Yeah, he doesn't done. I don't think he's really done a major, major headlining thing. I mean, he's done a lot of parts. Um, I think the other uh, Seinfeld definitely done things like the marriage ref, and he's done this, this uh, you know, cameos and all sorts of stuff. And he's also done stand up. He's done a lot of things. Um, Jason Alexander has done a lot of different. Parts, so he shows up in different places, but there was never like the Jason Alexander show. Remember, Kramer had a or Michael Richards had a detective show or something. And then yeah, he had a yeah, I think he had a couple. And then your parents had a Kramer poster in the bathroom. Still do. <laughs> they do. I don't know. My dad, uh, for many many years, worked for a framing company, uh, selling frames, to, or as a framing supplier company, not like a framing shop, a supplier company. So, or not someone who's who sets somebody up for crimes. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he did not frame anybody. That's a real. It goes over real well in the framing crowd, by the way. So we, for some reason, that was like a I don't know, had something to do with that. But it was no, like a so, really beautifully so framed time. Kramer shot um, painting. I thought you meant framing jokes. Okay, I get it. Um, man, I never thought this stuff would would end up in a episode of Music Video Land. The Kramer poster in your parents' bathroom. That's how you know you've done over 50 episodes. There we go, 52. We're just phoning it in now, everybody. So Phone it in, Kramer it up. Uh, <laughs> one point I will make, that's not a bad video, that CeeLo Green video, right? We don't dislike that video. No, it's a great video, yeah. I don't know why it has to be a collective we. We could we can have different opinions. But I like it. I just don't, I just think the, the novelty aspect of... Um, you know Kramer, or I mean uh, George Costanza versus Steve Urkel. I like I like George Costanza showing up better. It works better for me. Yeah, and the thing is that you're gonna get on Huffington Post if you do that, uh, or CNN even. I believe you know he's got to be one of those color stories. Yeah, on yeah CNN that's how it works, right? Because you know people, I mean people our parents' age do not care about you know Urkel being in a music video, and Jaleel White has made a career out of kind of appearing as you know himself and, and he came to my you know notre dame a few times and i was an undergrad to talk so he's not really a real kind of underground guy but you know jason alexander appearing in a music video all around as a novelty even if you take into account that he did it in 2007 because this is i think this is a little bit of higher higher profile yeah definitely i think music videos in general now versus 2007 are higher profile exactly yeah so now we've established all of that. I think it's time to say goodnight to this podcast. Yeah, everything episode. we said in the last hour has now been established. Uh, so good for that. Mm-hmm. It's great. So there we go. So uh, you can order transcripts of this podcast at uh, www.musicvideolandtranscripts.com. Each one is twenty three ninety nine, and is available the day after the podcast comes out. Uh, you can also email a postcard with a self addressed stamped envelope to uh, our address listed on the website. That's musicvideolandadamsaddress.com. Uh, so, so how do you include an envelope in a postcard? You just have to tape it on there. 
They allow that. That's it for us. Uh, we'll see you next week on Music Video Land. Thanks for listening to me specifically.